Man, I'm, I'm excited. This is the conclusion of our Parables and Miracles series, and it's been a really uh, enjoyable time to go through uh, this section of the book of Matthew and look at how Jesus is revealing the kingdom of God, not only through uh, these uh, parables, through, through story, through explanation of, of what the kingdom looks like, but then he demonstrated it uh, through these incredible miracles that he's been doing. And so, uh, so we're going to look at the, the final one in this series today, and it's in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we're going to start in verse 22, so you can turn there in your Bible, uh, Matthew 14. Uh, while you're doing that, uh, here's the big thought. Uh, sometimes we hold it as like the big KO punch at the end, but I just want to share it with you right off the bat, right? That walking with God is an active pursuit, right? It's not something that we did. It's something that we do every day, every moment, right? So I didn't, I, I, I did put my faith in Jesus when I was like eight years old, that wasn't the only time I did it, right? <laughs> I did it there and then for, for every moment forward. And so, so having a relationship with God is a continual thing in the same way that like we wouldn't get married and say, oh yeah, I, I married her. Like, yeah, like six years ago we got married. We had a ceremony. I definitely remember it, right? Like, right? Like marriage is an everyday thing, right? Like you walk in it actively and it's the same way here. That's the same way. Like if, if you ever gone somewhere and you're, you're following somebody, you're with them, they know where you're going. You don't, know where you're going, right? Like if we were in, a, in Brazil and we're, and we're going into this town that we don't know and we're with our translators and our guide and all of a sudden they go this way and we just kind of stay there, we wouldn't have confidence of saying like, oh, no, no, we're good, we're good. They led us here. We're at the place they led us to. Therefore, we're in the right place, right? We wouldn't say that because if they've moved on, we're no longer in the right place. <laughs> what was the right place has now become not the right place, not because of the location, but because of our proximity to the one that we're trying to be close to. And it's the same way in the Christian faith, that, that as God leads us forward, we've got to keep following, we've got to keep walking with him, or else the place that he led us to, the place that we're in, stops being the right place because he's leading us on to somewhere else. And we stopped following, we stopped walking with him. And therefore, what was the right place is now the wrong place because we don't have the proximity uh, to the one that we're following. Does that make sense? Right. So, so we're going to look at, uh, don't take my word for it, let's look at Scripture, right? That's, that's where we want to see this playing out before us. And so uh, this is in Matthew chapter 14, uh, verse 22. I mean, I have a lot of good things I could come up here and share with you, but I don't know that I would believe any of them if I were you, if they're not backed up by Scripture. So uh, Matthew 14, 22, it begins by saying this. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Uh, that's a good reminder. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. Let's come before the Lord, right? Father, we come before you and uh, we gather here this morning to sing your praise, yes, and to, and to give and to serve and to worship all these things, Lord. Um, we also come desiring to hear from you. Um, we don't want to just sing and, and, and just uh, proclaim, and just, but we want to listen, Lord. We want to engage with you in a relationship this morning. And so as you speak to us through your word, I pray that it would, it would resonate with our hearts, that it would cut down to, to our very, not only the things that we're doing, but the motivations behind them. And we would be able to see clearly uh, how you're calling us to take that next step forward and that we would have the, the faith and the courage uh, to do that as you, as you lay that out before us, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. So let me uh, let me give you a little background context. If you weren't here last week, Keith preached about uh, the feeding of the five thousand. This incredible miracle where Jesus uh, saw this crowd and he went to them and he and he taught them. And then there was no food and it was getting later in the day and they the disciples wanted to send them away, but Jesus said, "No, like let's what what can we do for them?" And so they had just a few loaves and some fishes, and Jesus multiplied it in this amazing way and fed the crowds. Right, and uh, it was it was this incredible miracle. And so, but before that. Uh, the context that led into that, two weeks ago, Dave Edwards preached about how uh, Jesus' cousin and good friend John the Baptist had been murdered, right? And so coming out of that, we saw that, uh, that he was murdered, and Jesus wanted to go off by himself. He was upset. Um, he, was, uh, he was grieving the loss of someone, a great man of God. Jesus said of John the Baptist, there's, of, of those born of, of women, there's not been one who is greater than John the Baptist. And so Jesus is looking at this incredible man who was murdered, and he wanted to go away. So we're told that he was going away to be with the Father. But as he was going away by boat, the crowds just followed along land and like trying to figure out where. It's kind of like you ever watch a golf tournament and they hit the ball and they're like trying to figure out where it's going to land. And then they all kind of crowd around. Like that's what I picture. They're like, he's going to land here. Here's where the boat's coming in. And so, so he's going. And Jesus' intention was to go away with the Father. But this crowd gathered around him. And so, uh, so he had compassion on them and he taught them and he fed them. But now we see that has ended. And now he sends the disciples away. He says, get in the boat. Go, go ahead of me. He sends the crowd away, he dismisses them, and he goes and he spends time with his Father. And this is the first thing that I want us to see in this, in this idea that walking with God is an act of pursuit, is we see it in Jesus. We see that we have to make space for our relationship with the Father. That Jesus made space for his relationship with the Father. Uh, now my, my wife, uh, Trina, uh, if, if I were to say, we do a lot of things together. She serves part-time in here as a, as a part-time office administrator in the church. We were spending that. But if I said, yeah, you know, we serve on the worship team together. So if I was like, man, yeah, we were, we were in the office. We worked on some reports together, and we, uh, we, we sang together in the band, and we drove the kids to their practice, and we went to the grocery store, and we cleaned the house together. And yeah, yeah, we did a lot of stuff together. We're like, we're really together, right? And, and that's good. We're like doing life together. But there's got to be times where we, we step back and it's just about our relationship with each other, right? It's not about the task that we're doing, just because we're doing things. And that could be the temptation as, you know, uh, as a pastor, that could be a temptation for me. Well, no, I, you know, I was, I was in the Word. I was preparing a sermon and I was leading a Bible study and stuff. But, but am I stepping back and am I spending time in relationship with God? That's why my wife and I need to go away on a cruise, right? Like we need, we need to go spend time in our relationship, Right? And, and, and you need to figure out what does it look like to go on a cruise with God, right? What, what does it look like to get away and just spend time? And so for me, as I was working on this sermon this week, literally, I, I got this far in it, and I was like, ah, I got to go spend some time with God. Like that's, you know, when you see a step of obedience, just go do it, right? And so, um, so something interesting happened. I'll, I'll unfold that here a little bit. But um, as I said, Jesus had hoped to get away alone after the death of John. But seeing the crowds, he had compassion on them. So he taught them and fed them. Loving the Father and loving people uh, were, were both part of his mission, but they were a little bit at odds with each other in this thing, right? Like, and so Jesus realized that he couldn't multitask them together. He realized, I can't spend time with the crowds and spend intimate time in relationship with my Father. I can't be like, well, no, God, I spent time with you. Remember I was doing that miracle of like multiplying all the stuff, and I was teaching people like clearly we were together, and, that, and they were, right? But, but Jesus didn't multitask that. It's like if you're spending time with your spouse at dinner and you're both on your phones like scrolling Facebook, right? Like you can't multitask that way. It's not, one of the things loses out and, and Facebook is the one that wins in that, right? 
Or if my kids, if, if my kids, if I'm like working on my computer and my kids are trying to play Barbie with me, uh, you know, like it doesn't work. We, there's some things you can't multitask. And we are a multitasking society. And so we try and multitask everything, do it all. And relationship with God is one of those things that you just, you can't really multitask, right? You need devoted energy towards the Lord. It doesn't mean we shouldn't walk with God. So when I'm driving in my car, sometimes I'll just turn the radio off and I'll try and spend time with God, but I'm still thinking about the guy that's cutting me off or running me off the road, right? Like there's, there's distractions. And so, so when I decided, as I was preparing my sermon, I was like, I'm going to go. There's some woods right behind the church here. And I was like, I'm just going to go back there in the woods for a little bit. And uh, you can still hear 611. I mean, it's not like really like getting out into nature, right? But, but it is, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of woody and it's kind of quiet. So, so I was headed out there. And right as I walked down the stairs, uh, Trina pulled up with the van, and the kids are in the van, and a couple of them are sleeping. And so I had, to, I had to say, like, hey, I'm spending time with God. I can't multitask this, but I also can't not show compassion, right? So, so I was like, hey, let me help you bring the kids inside. So I pick Evie up. She's sleeping. I bring her up. I lay her down on the couch to go to sleep, and I realized that she had a nosebleed, and it bled all over my shirt, right? So, so then I'm, like, down, like, cleaning my shirt. You know, I'm doing all this stuff. It took some effort. I had to get that straight. I had to get that situated. I'd help Trina. Once that was all set, then I was able to say, okay, okay I'm just going to go off now for a little bit by myself, right? So, so you got to find that balance of saying, like, uh, and, and there's times things are going to get in the way. And, look, Jesus didn't have the perfect run of it, right? Like, Jesus was trying to go get along with the Father. So you say, hey, you know, I, I want to have a quiet time, but things just get in the way, right? You, you, ever, you guys ever feel like that? Anybody else feel like that, right? <laughs> I mean, Jesus had a crowd of thousands of people, about probably 12,000 people waiting at the shore for him as he was going off to try and get quiet time with, with the Father, right? So, so whatever our problems are, Jesus can understand that. He had, he had a pretty big challenge to deal with, right? So, so he was there, he was present with them, and then after that was done, he, he made space for the Father. And so we've got we've to figure out ways to do that same thing. And I would encourage you this way. If Jesus needed prayer then we need prayer, right? There was no one who was more spirit-filled, more mission-driven, more connected to the Father than Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, and yet he, over and over and over again in Scripture, goes off alone and spends time with the Father in prayer. If he needed that, we desperately need that, right? And so, so we've got to look at that example. We've got to figure out how do we apply that to our lives. And so this is a very tangible thing. How, what do you need to rearrange in your life? How do you make space for a relationship with the Father? What can you do? This is a tangible takeaway from, from today, right? Like, what, what could you do? And, and if you're married or if, if you're in, in a home with people, how can you equip them, right? How can you bless them by saying, like, hey, is there a way that I can take a burden off my wife for 30 minutes somewhere in the day where I can say, hey, I got the kids. I know they're crazy and everything, but, like, just go, right? Um, how do you create space for yourself? How do you create space for those that you love in relationship to spend time with the Father? Because Jesus says, that, you know, because of what Jesus did, we have access to the Father. He's our mediator, uh, he stands before the throne for us that we can pray directly to the Father. You don't have to come. You can come here to the church when we do a prayer night or whatever. That's, that's great. But wherever you're at, you can go and you can find a space without distraction to get together with the Father. And Jesus said, we have not because we what? Ask not, right? And so there's a lot of times where we're like meditating on our problems and we're thinking about them and we're stressing about them and we're Facebook ranting about them. <laughs> but we were like, man, did I ever actually just spend some time praying about this? Right? So, so I want to encourage you that the, the, the first piece that we see here exemplified in Jesus, that active relationship, that the active pursuit of God involves separating and spending time with him. Right? Let's, let's continue on and see what else this passage shows us about this. Verse 24, 
It says, but the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. That's pretty crazy, right? <laughs> we can read the Bible, we're like, oh yeah, I knew this one. I, yeah, right. But Jesus is walking on the sea, right? And there's crazy waves. Did you ever wonder, is this like, is the water just stilling before him so he's just walking? Or is this like crazy, like parkour style where he's like sliding up and down the way? These are legitimate questions, right? I think it's stilled. That's what I think. But we don't know. He came to them walking on the sea. Uh, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost! I mean, you can't just read the Bible like it's a ghost, right? Like, I mean, if you were terrified in the middle of the night and they're saying, the, the most spiritual people around that are hanging out with Jesus all the time, they get into that scenario and they're like, I know what this is. That's a ghost, right? <laughs> like, they were wrong. They cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. So in the disciples, um, what we see is that when we're actively walking with God, if we're, if we're pursuing him, that sometimes that's going to lead us into the teeth of a storm. Sometimes walking with God, actively pursuing him, being right, like, in relationship with him is going to lead us into trial and difficulty. And if we don't have that understanding, if we don't have that expectation, uh, then we're really going to struggle emotionally with life, right? Because we're going to, uh, we're, we're either going to be angry because we're going to be like, God, I did everything you told me to do, and now you give me this? What's wrong with you? Or we're going to look at ourselves and be like, oh, I screwed up. I didn't do what I was supposed to. I, this is punishment. God is punishing me because I didn't listen to him. I wasn't obedient to him. Right? But sometimes, right in the center, Jesus said, get in the boat and go across the, 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 the lake. And as they got out there, they hit a storm. And so Jesus either knew the storm was coming or he caused the storm to come. But either way, Jesus sent them into a storm. And, and whatever our Christian belief, whatever our faith is, we've got to recognize that that's a possibility. And we sang that in the one song here, right? We said, make me empty. <laughs> Make me lonely, right? Like, uh, you wouldn't pray that if you thought that, that the Christian life was the key towards getting everything that you want out of life, right? Comfort and security and, and staying in the, in the bubble of your comfort zone. If we thought that's what the Christian life was about, we wouldn't sing songs like that. We'd be like, that's a crazy song, right? That, uh, I don't want to be lonely or empty or, you know. But we recognize that in those moments, that's where God can really speak to us. You know, if I was going to take on the challenge of, of getting you into shape, if I was going to become your personal trainer, you might want to sit down with me, me, with me and I'll say, okay, here's, here's, here's the first step. Uh, tomorrow night, 6 p.m., I want you to meet me up here at Nebrasa, and we're going to eat as much as we can, right? <laughs> we're just going to, you know, in, engulf as much meat and dessert as we possibly can, right? That might be what you want to do, but as your personal trainer, that's not what I should do for you, right? I should, I should, I should say, we're going to go to the gym, and you're going to suffer, Right? <laughs> Because that's what's going to get you into shape. And so if we really want Jesus to grow us spiritually, we can't have it both ways. We say, Jesus, I really want you to grow me spiritually. Now show me my nice cushioned place where I can take a nap, right? That's, that's not how it works. And so we should expect that Jesus is going to lead us into places that challenge us. And here's the thing. Maybe it was a lesson in humility, right? Because maybe as they were feeding the 5,000, uh, there would have been this temptation to be like, man, 
it's a transition from, wow, Jesus fed the 5,000 to, to, wow, we fed the 5,000 because Jesus included them in, right? He, he allowed the disciples to serve with them. And so, so there might have been a thing to be like, man, did you see that? I was reaching in my bag, and it just kept coming, man. I, I just I had to touch. I was on fire. I was just like pulling the bread out, and it just, right? And so they might have started to think that they were the ones that were, that were doing it, right? And so maybe this was, in, in Jesus' love for them, maybe this was a lesson in humility to say like, hey, you, you did do it, but it's because I was doing it. <laughs> you, were, you were doing it because I was, I was helping you. You know, the, the disciples were obedient, and it led them into a storm. And so this one is really just uh, is more than like a tangible, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do this today. It's, it's a reorientation of our thoughts to think, am, am I okay with saying I'm going to be obedient to Jesus no matter the cost, no matter where it takes me? Even if it takes me into a storm, I'm going to trust that he led me there for a reason and a purpose, and that he's going to do something even greater through the storm, right? So, so we did a whole series, uh, Wise as Serpents, Innocent as Doves. Uh, it was the last section of Matthew. And the whole point of that was like Jesus was saying, hey, listen, you're going to follow me, and you're going to go out, and you're going to meet opposition, and you're going to meet struggle, and you're going to meet difficulty, and it's going to cause division. But I don't want you to be surprised, because that's the path that I'm leading you on. Now, this is not gloom and doom. Many of us, I mean, like, looking around this room, right, we, we face trials, but we're blessed as well, right? Like, there's a lot of times where following Jesus will bless you, but, but don't start to feel like that's an entitlement, right? Don't start to think, like, Jesus, you owe me this. <laughs> I followed you. You owe me three cars <laughs> and a garage to fit all three of them. And you owe me, you know, on and on and on and on, right? We should, we should get, this is a maturity thing. It's, it's hard, right? Can we experience the blessing and enjoy it and be so grateful for it? but not feel entitled to it, right? Let's look at the third thing, right? Uh, this is related. We're narrowing, we're narrowing down here. Verse 28. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. It was probably more dramatic than that, but I only let myself shout once each sermon, okay? Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So first we saw in Jesus that the act of faith means setting aside, time, setting aside time for relationship with God the Father. We saw in the disciples that it meant that sometimes it'll lead us into the storm. And in Peter, now the third thing that we see is that stepping out in faith is something that we have to keep on doing. We have to take one step after another after another, and each one has to be a step of faith, right? He took a lot of good steps until he looked at the, the wind and the waves, and suddenly his faith evaporated, and all those good steps didn't help him in that moment. In that moment, he needed fresh faith. He needed new faith. And so some of us here today, maybe we just need new and fresh faith to take that next step forward today. Notice Peter was the only one of the 12 who asked Jesus to call him out of the boat, right? He was the only one to walk on water, and yet this story becomes a, a story of humility, a story of failure for Peter, right? When we think about this, we, uh, we, we think about Peter walking on water, but more often we think about him sinking, right? Like, ah, oh, Peter, come on, dude, right? Like, you, you were right there, you were walking on water, and then you sank, come on, man, right? And so it became this incredible opportunity for humility. Um, you know, there's a story in the, in the life of Riverside that, uh, that many of you know. Our, our first preview service in April of, of 2000, 
Uh, it was it was mid to late April, and uh, they had done a ton of work. It was the very first time we were going to gather together as a church. They had brought a mission team up and sent thousands of flyers door to door, going out, knocking, inviting people to come out. They invested all this money into new equipment, and they had uh, volunteers lined up, and they and they put all this effort, effort, effort. I say they because. Well, I was kind of part of it. That was back when I was in the band, and all I did was show up and played. I really didn't. I wasn't like super active, right? So I, so I knew about all these things happening, but I, but it wasn't. I wasn't engaged at that level, and so. Uh, but there had been been all this level of of effort put in, and then they woke up that morning, that April morning in two thousand, and snow is just coming down like crazy, right? And so Aaron, uh, the, the founding pastor, will share the story that, that he got up and he was just angry at God. And he's like, God, we did all this stuff. We put all this preparation. We did all these things. And it's going to snow. You're going to have it snowed out. And so he opens up his, his daily devotional. And for that day in our daily bread, which is what he was using, uh, it's from Job, you know, where, where God says, where were you when I spread out the stars? Where were you when I formed the ocean, right? An incredible moment of humility for Aaron, he said, Lord. Right? Because he could have been tempted, and, and the early core group could have been tempted, like, man, we did this. We prepared, we planned, we handed out invites, and people came. Look what we did, right? And God wanted our church to know from the very beginning that it's not about our efforts. Now, was it good that they did that effort? Yeah, it was good. But they weren't the ones who did it. If anyone was going to show up on that morning, it was going to be because Jesus called them, right? It was through his power. And so it's a continual reminder for us as individuals and as a church that, that we should put all the effort in that we can. We should strive, but we've always got to remember that it's God who's at work, that if there's a miracle, God is the one who worked the miracle. And so there's something interesting here related to the trials, right? Jesus sent them into the storm. So when they were out there rowing, and this is in the fourth watch, it means it was between 3 and 6 a.m., right? So you think you've had rough nights with, uh, how many people have young babies in here? Anybody have any young babies? They're not here at the 9 a.m. service. Jim made it. Good job, Jim, right? You've had some rough nights, right? Staying up with, with crying babies. Uh, baby, not, you don't have twins, just one. One's plenty, right? Um, but that pales in comparison to being out in the middle of a lake rowing for your life until like 3, 4 a.m., right? But Jesus sent them into that trial. Now, in this case, Peter got out of the boat. Jesus said, come, and Jesus was letting, willing to let him walk all the way. But, but why did Peter sink? He took his eyes off Jesus, right? He, his, his trial that he went through was related to a failure of faith in his own part. And so, so not every trial that you go through— <laughs> It's because Jesus is like, oh, Jesus led me into this. You know, I, you know I, I wasted all my money on whatever, right? You know, and now I don't have, right? Like, sometimes our failures cause our trials. Sometimes Jesus leads us into trials. Sometimes we don't know the difference. And so if, if it, that's, that's where repentance comes in, right? Like, if God lays it on your heart, like, hey, you're not following me. You're not placing your faith in me. You're not being obedient to me. And, and, and what you've done, you're paying the consequence for your actions. If God makes that clear, then you need to repent. You need to turn. You need to put yourself back in a place to, to receive from him. There's other times where you might be enabled, honestly, to look at him and be like, Lord, my heart's, I don't know. I'm, I, just because I don't know that I've sinned doesn't mean that I haven't sinned. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes we sin inadvertently. We don't even know. We, we're not even aware of the level at which we're sinning, right? But, but you can come and say, Lord, I don't know. If there's something in me, show me. But but otherwise, I'm going to trust that you've led me into this trial and that you're going to bring me through it, right? And so, so there's some discerning and kind of understanding what trials look like. But the significant thing is that, 
that we can have confidence that Jesus is the one in control. And so if he has called us to something, he's going to lead us through. Jesus was the one who called Peter out of the boat. So Peter could have faith that each step he took was going to let him walk on solid ground, on solid water, right? Because, because Jesus was the one who had called him. If James or John had been like, hey, Peter, get out of the boat, go get him, right? Like, how do you think that would have worked? <laughs> Not too good, right? Because their object of, of their faith would have been the wrong thing. If they're, if they're putting their faith in what James or John told him to, to Peter to do, he, he wouldn't have had very good success. But when you're putting your faith in what Jesus has told you to do, you can have confidence in him because he's the one who will uphold you. And it's interesting, he says, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Right? When we're walking actively with Jesus, the most irrational thing is to doubt him. Because when we're walking with him, he's continually holding us up. We're seeing him at work. We're seeing him moving. And so in those moments, fear and doubt are irrational. They don't make sense, right? Now, do you think Peter was glad that he got out of the boat ultimately? In retrospect, do you think he was? Yeah. There was moments there where he probably wasn't, right? When he was, when he was sinking in the way, right? But, but in the grand scheme of things, as they made it to dry ground, and they probably got out and kissed the ground after this whole experience, right? But he probably looked back and be like, that was awesome. And not only was it awesome that I walked on water, I'm glad that I failed so that Jesus could show me that he's the one who's truly in control, right? Have you guys ever had that experience where you're like, I'm glad I stepped out in faith, but I'm, I'm also even glad that I failed because it taught me how to trust in you more, Jesus. So even, we begin to understand in James where he says, that, consider it all joys when you go through various types of trials because they produce perseverance, they produce endurance. And so we can go through something and say, man, I wouldn't have chose that path. That's not the path I wanted to go down. But in the end, I'm grateful that I went down that because it, it showed, me, showed me how powerful Jesus is. And so I would ask you, does the fear of failure keep you from experiencing all that God has for you today? There may be some of us here that has stepped out of that boat. We placed our faith in Jesus. We did that. And we took steps in faith. We've done that. But maybe in this moment where you're at today, maybe you're stuck in that sinking moment. You're in that moment where you, man, I've had faith in Jesus. I've walked with him. I've seen him do amazing things. He's helped me do stuff I never could have done. But right now, I see the waves and I see the wind and I'm just stuck. Maybe what you need to do is cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I got tempted into thinking that I was the one who did it. But this moment is helping me to realize that you're the one who does it. And you're the only one who can save me. And so I'm calling out to you, Jesus. I can't do it on my own. I'm, I'm reminded. I remember once again, I can't do it on my own. I need you. And maybe today is a day for you to do that. Say, man, Jesus, maybe the way I'm, I know you led me here, but now I feel stuck. Well, maybe the reason you're feeling stuck is because you stopped walking forward in faith. And so maybe it's a day to, 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 to step out once again. Stepping out in faith made Peter vulnerable but it also positioned him to experience Jesus working in a way he never would have experienced otherwise. If he had never gotten out of that boat, he never would have known, right? I was listening to a, a pastor that I listened to sometime this week. He was doing this online Bible study, and um, this dude is jacked up. Uh, and uh, and he, he lifts weights, right? So when he gives advice on weightlifting, I listen to this, right? Because you can tell I'm, I'm following his footsteps, right? But anyways, uh, he was sharing that the guy that he works out with uh, – uh, says to him, you know, when you're getting into that, that final set and maybe you're supposed to do 10 reps, but you only get eight 
and you, and you get to the point you can't do anymore and you stop. And his friend likes to say this. He says, he says, hey, failure isn't a problem. Failure is a goal. Because when it comes to lifting weights, you want to get to the point of failure because that's how you know where your limit is. That's how you know that you've gotten every bit out of that muscle that you can get. Now, failure isn't the goal in the sense that you want to rip your bicep in half, right? <laughs> you don't want to injure yourself, right? And so this is not a call to reckless faith that hurts you and hurts those around you and hurts others, right? This isn't a call uh, to abandon the good sense that God's given you and the, and the wisdom that he's given you and the, and the wise advice that people around you are giving you, right? So, so there's, there's a balance in here, but this is for, if you, if you want to get in shape, I'm all about getting in shape, right? It's, uh, the, the winter is over, it's spring, we're all starting to think about the summertime, right? So that's, that's where my mind is going. So sorry, that's where all the references are today, right? But uh, if you're getting in shape, uh, you know, you, your goal is to get as close to failure, but you don't want to injure yourself, right? So you got to find this balance of like, how do I work out really hard, but not too hard that I hurt myself? And, and it's the same way in our Christian life. If we want to get in Christian shape, if we want to be uh, just doing everything we can for the kingdom of God through his power and through his glory, it means that we've got to be pushing the limits of our faith. We've got to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. We've got to keep taking steps of faith. It doesn't mean that we want to cut our legs out from under us. It doesn't mean we want to injure ourselves. I'm not telling everybody in here, get out of the boat, quit your jobs. Uh, you know, just go down on the street corner and start preaching Jesus. You, if God leads you there, yes, by all means do that. But, but sometimes a call to get out of the boat can, can sound so radical that it, it hurts people, right? Because you're like, you're like, oh man, like, uh, I hear what he's saying and it feels like I should do something really radical. But maybe what God is calling you to do is not the really radical thing that you come up with. It's the really simple thing that he's been calling you to over and over again, right? Just do another rep. Ah, here I go again, right? If, I, if I'm, if I'm going to work out, I'm not going to go find the 250-pound weight and start trying to curl it, right? I don't even know if they make a dumbbell that's 250 pounds, right? It shows how much I know. I'm just getting going with this, right? Get a weight that you can handle and do a lot of reps, right? So maybe God has laid out something really simple, a small step of obedience that he's calling you to do, and that's how you're going to go. And, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it until it's, it's a step of faith. And then you're building your muscles so, so that he can use you. I'm glad that Peter sank, right? Because if he had made it, he might have thought that he was the one who did it. Just like the disciples handed out the boot, right? If, if he had made it on water, it would have became like, hey, Jesus, remember when we walked on water? Right? That would be how that story got remembered. But this was the kind of humility that prepared him in the future to be able to heal people, um, it says that he would walk through town in the book of Acts and his shadow would fall on people and they would, and, and they would be healed, right? And he was prepared to handle that because he went through this moment of humility. God wants to do great things through you. But, but in his love for you, he's, he's not going to allow you to do it if, if it's just going to puff you up and, and turn yourself into your own God, into your own hero, into your own idol. He wants you to know that it's through his power and his strength that he's going to do it. And ultimately, look at verse 33. Here's how it ends. It says, And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is where it has to land, right? It has to land in worship of Jesus. That you are the Son of God. That all that stuff we went through, everything we experienced, it was to show us that you are the one. It says those in the boat, right? Those that had been obedient to Jesus when Jesus said, Go out into the storm and they went, they were the ones that got to see him revealed and got to say, you are truly the Son of God. 
Now, there's an interesting parallel here, and I, I think this is an historical account of something that actually happened, but there's an interesting parallel here to what salvation looks like, and it's hard for us to process this in our mind sometimes, but, um, but, but look at it this way with me. When Peter was in the boat rowing for his life, right, he wasn't thinking about getting out and walking on the water. That wasn't even an option for him, right? That hadn't even entered in his mind. And so it wasn't until Jesus revealed himself by walking on the water that he even began to think that that would be possible. And it's the same way for us. That the Bible tells us that we're dead in our sins, that, that we don't seek or pursue God, that we're, that we're living in our, for our own glory and for our own benefit until God reveals himself to us. And even once he had been revealed, Jesus, Peter said, hey, I want to come out on the water. Jesus, you have to call me, <laughs> right? And so it's the same way in our salvation. We might become aware of Jesus. He reveals himself to us, but we still recognize, I don't just make the choice to come to you. you I come because you've called me. And so once... Jesus called Peter, Peter got out of the boat, and he came, and he took those steps forward, but he recognized that he wasn't doing it in his own strength, and so he reached out, and he said, Lord, save me. He recognized that, that Jesus was his Savior, that following Jesus, walking forward with him, caused him to recognize that he couldn't do anything in his own strength. It was only through Jesus' power, and it's the same way for us in salvation, that, that as we come to him, we still I'll do it in a way that humbles us and helps us to recognize that it's not through my goodness, it's not through my strength, it's because of Jesus and what he has done that allows me to come and to be in a right relationship with him. And so we see this parallel to what it, what it looks like to be saved in this experience. And so I would ask you this, where are you at in that? Are you still, are you at the spot where you're just rowing at 4 a.m., trying to find your way through life? If so, I want you to see how Jesus desires to reveal himself in the scripture today. He's showing you his power and his strength. And he wants you to come to him, right? Maybe you've been, been you've seen God at work. You, you're, you're, you're seeing it and you're starting to have this desire. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that he's calling you today. He's saying, come, come to me. I will give you the ability to walk on water. I'll give you the ability to, to, to do things you would never imagine, but it's going to be not because you're doing it, but it's because I'm doing it through you. And if you have taken that step of faith, you placed your faith in Jesus and you walked forward, but, but if you're at a point where you, you know, you've lost the, the course, you're sinking, you, 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 you've lost your, your focus on Jesus, you've taken your eyes off him, I want you to see that if you put your eyes back on Jesus and you call to him and say, Lord, save me, it was never about me anyways, it was always about you, that he immediately, he will reach down and he'll pull you up. So wherever you're at today, I want you to encourage you to respond in the way that Jesus is calling you to do it. Listen, as I close, Peter had this experience, right? And then later in the Bible, we have a letter that Peter wrote. And listen to what he says. Listen to how this experience affected the way that, that he communicated Jesus. In 1 Peter 1, verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now listen to this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Peter knew something about trials, right? <laughs> though by now, if, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise 
and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he writes this for us. Listen, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your, fa- of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this precious and great, great promise, this encouragement that, that it's by your power. It's because Jesus has called us and he's empowered us. Lord, you caused Peter to walk on water. You want to do great things through us. You want to empower us to be an incredible force for your glory and your name in this world. But that's the key. It's, it's got to be for your glory. It can't be for our glory. God, make us a humble people, the kind of people that you can do great things through and that we can we resist the temptation to think that it's us doing it, that we can put all the glory to you, God. Put us in a position to experience your greatness and to be used by you in great, amazing, and powerful ways for the glory of your name. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.